Welcome to Crossroads, a podcast that explores the intersection of faith and Christian living. Crossroads is part of the media ministry at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. Get to know us by visiting us online at fapc.org. Hi, I'm Jamie Staley, Director of Christian Education at Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church. This fall, after a long period of about 19 months that we have been dealing with some pretty tough stuff in the world, I wanted to talk about some more fun things to give us a little break in the struggles that we've been having. So last month, we talked to Jason Santos about the theology of play. We chatted a little bit about board games and about how we rebuild joy in our lives. This month, I am joined by Dr. Scott Black Johnston, who is our senior pastor, to talk about finding faith in the Marvel Universe. Now, when I first came up with this idea, the first person that came to my mind was Scott. Uh, Some of you may know that he is a big Marvel fan. So I am very excited to dig into this a little bit with him today. And I hope you are too, because Marvel isn't necessarily something that he speaks about from the pulpit very often. So this might be a side of him that you don't get to hear so often. So thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today. It's great to be with you, um, Jamie, uh, and to be talking about comics. (laughs) So what, what is it about the Marvel Universe that you find so captivating? Um, so I have to do a little trip down memory lane to answer that question. I first got into comic books in a serious way in the 1970s. Um, and they were floating around, you know, uh, the friend group that I was plugged into. Um, and, uh, we had a little Dungeons and Dragons group, which, you know, that's maybe a future podcast. I see Jamie's eyes (laughs) just went wide and, um, and, uh, I have some really good stories about that. Um, but, but there were, we were also into comic books and, um, I began collecting. I had a friend who collected and he taught me how to take the comic books and to very carefully put a a non-acidic piece of cardboard behind them and then into a mylar bag. And so I started a collection uh, then in the late 70s, um, early 80s. And and I collected all the way through college and all the way through divinity school. In fact, while I was at Yale Divinity School, I worked at a comic book shop in New Haven to to, uh, help pay the bills and... um, and the biggest part of my collection is the Uncanny X-Men. So uh, I'm happy to talk about the X-Men some um, yeah. and um, uh, as we get going. But, uh, you know, your question is, you know, what kind of drew me into all this? And, and, and I collected a, a lot of Batman, too, so I'm not just Marvel. <laughs> I'm sort of, you know, I'm willing to go into the DC universe as well. But I think, you know, best to stay focused uh, on, on one realm, uh, <laughs> if you will, today. Um, and uh, what captivated me early on? Um, this is to go even earlier than my own experience, but to describe the arc of comic books. Um, when comic books began, the so-called golden age of comic books um, in this country and, and action comics uh, where Superman debuted, 
uh, would be sort of like the, the Action Comics number one is probably the most valuable comic book uh, that collectors can ever have. It's 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 probably worth about a quarter million dollars. Oh, now, wow. if you have an action comic book number one out there, you know, <laughs> in your attic somewhere, get it out, put it in a mylar bag, and get somebody to <laughs> give you uh, an appraisal of it because you know you could pay off your mortgage with it. Um, uh, but but Superman, you know, when Superman came uh, on the scene, he uh, he fought you know common criminals. So here he was, this extraterrestrial being, but he fought bank robbers and he 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 uh he would get involved in 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 kind of petty larceny kind of things you know um and in the golden age of comic books uh the comic book characters also got involved in being a non-official propaganda wing of the of the united states so they would fight nazis um and um and you know the Superman um, story, which is itself very fascinating, is two Jewish boys who write this story about this sort of powerful figure who who is an American and who's for freedom and who ends up, you know, taking the side of the United States, you know, versus Nazis. That is, uh, you know, that's a powerful part of the golden age of comic books is is world conflict and where these characters play a role in all that. By the time I got interested, I got interested in sort of what the, the second age was called the Silver Age of comic books. And this is where Stan Lee, who is really the grandfather of the Marvel Universe, comes in. And yeah. Stan Lee's great creation was Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, uh, many of these characters were, were dreamed up by Stan Lee, you know, in an office here in, in New York City. But, but, but Spider-Man, to me, was sort of a pivot away from the more perfect characters that you saw in the DC universe, you know, mm -hmm. who had these just kind of unimpeachable morals and they never struggled with anything, to Spider-Man, who's a teenage boy from Queens who has got all the normal problems, the girlfriend problems <laughs> and the teacher problems, and, and as well as is fighting Dr. Octopus, you know, on yeah. the streets of New York. And that in itself was significant. DC took place in Gotham City or mm. Metropolis, two side-by-side -side cities that were each a reflection of some part of New York. Yeah. Stanley just once said, we're gonna put this in the world. We're gonna put this in New York City. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and so Marvel always did that. You know, it was like trying to take a step closer to reality. And I like the fact that, you know, it, some comic book buffs will deny this, but there is a little bit of soap opera in all comic <laughs> books. There's, there's human relationships here. So what, will this person end up getting together with this person? You know, how will this sort of, you know, um, conflict work out over time? And so, um, you know, it was that drew me in, mm -hmm. you know, as well as fantastic powers. It's always fun to imagine that you've got some sort of, you know, extra special power and that mm. you can fly or you can turn into a flaming, you know, person or that you can, uh, you know, affect the density of your body and move through walls, you know, all that kind of stuff is really fun to contemplate and to see how they would mix those kind of supernatural powers together with human conflict and human foibles and with the fight and here's the big answer, 
of good against evil. Mm. Um, yeah. And so that's why. I've seen several books where it's, you know, the gospel according to, you know, I, I know there's the gospel according to The Simpsons, the gospel according to Peanuts, the gospel according to Harry Potter. And, and I wanted to kind of talk about where do you see theology in the Marvel universe? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the answer is all over the place. <laughs> but let me start with like a moment that just left me you know, uh, I know that Joss Whedon has taken criticism. I haven't followed all the the strands of that in, in, in recent times. And But I have to say, I've been a Joss Whedon fan for a long time. Um, I wasn't a big Buffy watcher, but I was really into Firefly and Serenity. And then when I heard that he was taking over and he was going to direct the Avengers and write the script for the first Avengers movie, I was just totally thrilled. And, and then there was this scene... Um, that um, listeners may recall in the first Avengers movie in which the Avengers have captured Loki and they're flying in a jet with Loki to some unknown location and uh, they're talking about what to do with him and Loki's brother Thor shows up and there's a fight and uh, between Iron Man and Thor and 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 Thor ends up taking Loki away, and Iron Man flies off in pursuit, and Captain America puts on his shield and prepares to jump out of the jet after them all. And the Black Widow says, and, and I wrote down the quote, um, I'd sit this one out, Cap. And S Steve Rogers, Captain America says, I don't see how I can. And uh, Black Widow responds, these guys come from legend. They're basically gods. And Captain America responds, there's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> and that moment, I was just like, my eyes just like popped out of my head. It was like, it was so perfect. And it was perfect because I am a Captain America fan. And, ha and you know, it's, um, and it's hard, I think, to, to make the more goody two-shoes, if you will, characters interesting. And I think mm. they did a great job. Uh, in the movies with Captain America making him interesting. Um, and I love that moment in the movie because it's a wink at all the stuff that Marvel has drawn on over the years. Um, Norse mythology, magic and mystery and things that go bump in the night, Doctor Strange, you know, fables and fairies, you've got them involved, science fiction, you've got alien creatures and robots. Mm. And here's this guy from the 1940s who's centered in a different belief system, a kind of classic Judeo-Christian uh, system. And he's not belligerent about it, but he's confident in it. And he jumps out of an airplane, you know, <laughs> with that in, in his mind. I was like, yeah, you know, there, there's my guy, you know. And so, um, and that, that's kind of it in a nutshell, is you've got all these different things happening. And yet, in the midst of it at all, our questions about what's good, what's evil, what's right, what's wrong, what does redemption look like, um, what is uh, what is salvation, uh, and uh, those big questions are human questions. They're the questions that the comic books are always trying to wrestle with, and they're theological questions. One of the things. Um that uh that i wanted to ask is do you see any christology in marvel yeah i think that's always a that's a, a good question an interesting question 
and a tricky question. When I used to teach re religion and literature in seminary, um, so there's a danger, you know, in trying to find Christ behind every character. Oh, that's a Christ figure. That's a Christ figure. That's a Christ <laughs> yes. figure. Um, but but I do see um, sort of arcs in which the Marvel Universe explores themes that definitely have to do that that parallel at times um, Christ and at other times not, mm. or that kind of take a little riff on it. Now I want to talk about two characters really from the most recent kind of series of movies, and that's uh, Iron Man and Thanos. Um, Iron Man's, basically, if I were to say, and I'm not the only person to say this, you know, who's the, the character, the character's arc that's most at the center of the last set of Marvel movies is Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first movie is Iron Man, you know, that's the first big, really good Marvel movie that comes out. And and then 21 movies later, you get Endgame in which he dies. Yeah. And so it's... Spoiler alert if you haven't seen oh, it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm so bad at this. Yes. Spoiler alerts all over in about in what I'm about to say. You know, just turn the podcast off now if you're intending to watch, which you should and haven't. Um, Iron Man in the comic books... Um, Iron Man was a kind of hard to like guy. I mean, and even harder, you know, they make him more likable, I think, even in the movies than he was in the comic books. Um, he struggled with alcoholism and, and at times uh, just kind of gave up and just disappeared for a while and, and kind of washed out. Um, he, wa he was mean, he did uh, to other people. Um, he was a hard, hard person and, and in the movies, you know, they present him as as some of those things, you know, but also with a kind of a, uh, there's this, there's always, you always get a sense that there's a little silver lining there. And, mm. um, you know, once uh, Captain America says, you know, who are you without your iron suit? And he says, playboy, arms dealer, inventor, billionaire, you know what I mean? <laughs> and just kind of comes up with this list of things that he is. And, and um, I don't think he says arms dealer, actually, he just says inventor. But he is an arms dealer, and that's part of the, you know, that's where you start in the first Iron Man movie is, how can you like an arms dealer, you know, who's, who's willing to sell to whoever and not care about the consequences of the, of the weaponry that his company is pr producing? Mm. And that's the beginning for that character, and then who in that movie um, starts to come to grips with that, um, and then later, um, you know, as the progression moves along, he, in the first Avengers movie, there's, there's another scene in which Captain America says, you're not the guy who will, you know, fall on a wire and let your buddy crawl over, you know, and, it's, and Captain America's talking about self-sacrifice, and, you know, Tony Stark responds, well, I would just cut the wire, and um, it's just you get this feeling that, you know, he's not the one, that it's gonna be Captain America if, who will make the ultimate sacrifice. And this comes back again in Endgame, but let's just stay with first Avengers movie. Um, he does, he's the one who takes the a nuclear bomb and propels it out into space, but with his own self attached to it yeah. at, at the end of the first Avengers movie that saves the day. Mm. And um, and so you be, you see this arc in which he is actually willing to self-sacrifice. Mm. But then, and this is where I think the Marvel writers do some interesting stuff with Iron Man, he takes that 
you know, desire to protect the Earth too far, and it's his activities that result in Ultron, this mm -hmm. robot uh, that he designs to protect the Earth, but ultimately that becomes yet another villain that wants mm -hmm. to extinguish humanity. And so it's, it's that's this 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 arc that we're on with with Iron Man. And then in the, in Endgame, um, we see that arc come all the way back around again, where he does make, spoiler alert, the <laughs> sacrificial act, and he does it with even more at stake than he did during the first Avengers movie, because now he's married and he has a daughter that he loves, and he has a l life that he really likes. Mm. It's not the playboy life anymore, it's, it's a kind of bucolic little cabin by a lake and a family that he has to leave to go save the world. And and so, you know, I can't look at that story and not think of Christ's words, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Yeah. And um and so so that's that's Tony Stark Iron Man. So at the beginning of this, we, we heard what you found most captivating about Marvel. And I think you touched on this a little bit and you probably, it's probably very similar, but what do you think, uh, what do you think people in general, I mean, so many millions of people love Marvel movies. I mean, they get, you know, tons of people go to the Marvel movies, their opening day, their box office is always huge. Um, what do you think people, uh, find so captivating about Marvel and, and, and is there, you know, since we're speaking about theology and faith in any manner, what what do you think? Is there any particular theology that you think people are drawn to within within Marvel? I do think, and this is this is you, you get this sense in parts of the New Testament about you know we're in this conflict, and um, and evangelicals make that a very clear conflict, you know, at, at times between good and evil, between God and the devil. Um, but um, even if you're not going there, a Manichaeanism, um, uh, the, the conflict between good and evil, whether it's out there in the world or whether it's in our own hearts, mm. is really important to people. And I think they're trying to figure that out. How can I, how can I do good, be a force for good? Why do I struggle, you know, with sin and making bad decisions? And, 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 and why, what is it that I'm seeing in the world at large in the news? Mm. Um, and how do I interpret that? And I think we're always looking for lenses to interpret the world around us. And, and, and Marvel gives kind of a, interesting, good, exciting, um, you know, uh, nicely filmed, all kinds of good colors and <laughs> costumes and capes and, and, but way of processing, hmm. uh, that, um, one of my, um, I think the character, I'm going to, I'm, I'm turning this into a question <laughs> for you to ask me almost. That's totally fine. <laughs> but the character, the character I think that I started to like way back in the 80s um, and who uh, I think is in some ways deals in the most complicated way with religious themes is Daredevil. Mm. 
Frank Miller is, uh, who is himself an atheist, or at least the last time I heard him talk, he said he was an atheist. Um, he did some of the best work on Batman, I think, that's ever been done. And, and he, Frank Miller, he, some of these, um, I don't know how much you know about, about comic book writers, but they'll, they'll write for a comic for a while, and then they'll roll off. They're like, I've told my story, you know? Okay. And so uh, Frank Miller wrote, like, a, a series for Daredevil in the 60s, mm. And then he came back and did something, I think, in the 70s for a little bit. But then he wrote um, a famous arc hmm. for Daredevil that was called Born Again. Hmm. And uh, uh, Matt Murdock, uh, for those who aren't Daredevil fans, is a Catholic, um, a practicing Catholic, an active Catholic who goes to confession and, and thinks about penance and hmm. forgiveness and redemption um, and uh, he lives in Hell, Hell's Kitchen, mm -hmm. and when and when Daredevil started out, he was kind of like Spider Man. He was just he was older than Spider Man, but he was this kind of hip character. He was um, uh, he got his powers uh, when he was blinded in a chemical spill. Mm -hmm. He lost his sight, but he he gained uh, super senses um, and um, and sort of radar. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, um, and he began to fight crime in Hell's Kitchen, but he was like Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was, you know, in addition to being, um, you know, dealing with all his teenage angsty stuff, Spider-Man was always funny, right? He was making yeah. wild quips as he was fighting people. Well, Daredevil was sort of the same. But over time, Daredevil, especially when Frank Miller would touch him, he got more serious. Mm. And, um... And the way I would define Daredevil as being different is a lot of times the source of drama in the comics was about the individual superhero. So Tony Stark's, as you know, uh, turn from kind of a jerk to, uh, to playing a, you know, kind of a, a saving role uh, for humanity. Um, but so it's about... Tony's journey. Mm. In Daredevil, the story was about the victims. Mm. Um, so there'd be somebody, they got darker and they started examining, not just, it wasn't just like your, your classic cardboard cutout bank robber, they would deal with addiction. Mm. And like, so it's like, here's this kid begging on a corner who's addicted to heroin and Matt Murdock would, would become invested in that kid. Mm. He'd, he'd trace it back to figure out who was dealing the heroin and who was the supplier at the heart of it and who was the kingpin, mm. um, you know, who was, you know, making sure that drugs got out there in the first place. But Matt Murdock was always interested in that kid. Mm. And um, in the Born Again uh, uh, story, he's very interested in his girlfriend, Karen Page, who they'd broken up and um, and she had she had become addicted uh, to drugs and then got involved with some very bad people. And, um, and so the story is both about Matt Murdock trying to figure out what's going on, but it's also about her. And that I thought was really mm. a fascinating thing to draw you into those stories, to give you sympathy, empathy mm -hmm. for those who were suffering um, in Hell's Kitchen. And, 
it really was social commentary, right? Why is this happening? Who's at fault? Hmm. Is it that person's fault? Is it somebody? Is it the dealer's fault? Is it the person supplying the dealer? Is it you know? Is it the yeah. cops who look the other way because they're getting paid off for this? It's just all the layers of it uh, that were going on there. And in the midst of all this, Matt Murdock is trying to solve all this and to care about these victims. He has this Christian compassion, but he's also struggling with the fact that he's violent. Hmm. And he, he goes to confession because he's supposed to love his enemies, and he really doesn't, he really, really struggles with that, as we all do. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, you know, he's beating the, you know, <laughs> C-R-A-P um, uh, out of his... Um, out of his enemies, and then he's going to talk to the priest and, and to say, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Um, and, um, and that is, uh, I've always found that kind of, once you get these big cosmic creatures, yeah. I, I really liked Daredevil for looking at actual societal ills and, 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 treating these situations in which you do have superheroes kind of flying around but with you know this kind of care and and curiosity for why things are the way they are mm. Mm. i like that I, I you know i i don't actually know too much about daredevil i've seen there was a daredevil movie there was with Ben Affleck. ben Affleck, I remember that now. Okay, so I saw bad. that. But um, uh, and there's a TV show that I have not watched, but like one or two episodes. It's pretty darn violent. Okay. Um, it's and I'm not into the just really watching somebody just get, you know, punched and punched and punched and punched and punched and kicked and punched, you know. And that to me, that's not what I want to do with my yeah. my entertainment time. <laughs> Um, and so, um, uh, but I do understand that in the TV show, he goes to confession a lot. And I do, and I have heard that they've borrowed in, in their storyline heavily from the Frank Miller Born Again work in, in, in telling the TV show story of, of Daredevil. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. Do you have any um, any last? I know Daredevil was the one that, that you <laughs> wanted me to ask a question about. Any any other things as we uh, close close this? I, I feel like we could go on forever talking about Marvel. So, and, and I feel like maybe you're going to get some people at church coming up and asking you about Marvel now more so than usual. But do you have any um, final things you'd like to share about uh, faith in in Marvel? What I you've think seen? I think one of the things uh, I would say this. I would say that the big themes of good and evil are going to continue and I will be interested to see if they can keep us as engaged in the next set of movies as they could in their, their first three phases of, of the Marvel Universe. If phases four, five, and six can live up to, to one, two, and three. It's a, going to be a big challenge. I also say that in the comic books themselves, Marvel has gotten into world religions. There, there are Islamic heroes and Hindu heroes and out atheist heroes. And, um, and I think that may, makes for good conversation. It makes for, it's a richer theological conversation now, whereas before it was just sort of assumed in the background, you know, what, you know that there was a kind of a basic Judeo-Christian framework, but it wasn't really talked about. Mm. And so I like the fact that they're talking. 
Uh, that is that is really awesome. Well, now I'm going to have to go back and watch the movies and the, and the, all the shows that are now on Disney Plus. Yes. Um, <laughs> they hooked well, us. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, thank you very much, Scott, uh, for for joining me today. I hope everyone at home uh, is feels a little bit more connected to Marvel. Um, and next month, I hope that you'll all join us as we uh, continue with some fun things. Next month, we're going to talk about a book series. We'll be talking about the Chronicles of Narnia and where we see God there. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you for listening to Crossroads. Managing Editor, Jamie Staley. And editors, Vashina Brisbane, Kelly Pacayo, and Emily Dombrough.